This is the Waters and Harvey Show. I'm Darren Waters. And I'm Marcus Harvey. Developing new leadership is important to any organization. Whether public or private, it can't long survive if it fails to develop new leaders. Today, we're going to talk with Mr. Ed Manning, the Executive Director of Leadership Asheville, to see how his organization is working to ensure Asheville's and Western North Carolina's continued success. Marcus and I will be back in a moment. Again, this is the Waters and Harvey Show, and again, I'm Darren Waters, and as always, I am so happy to be here in the studio, so happy to have you all and to know that you all are joining us in the audience, and I'm very pleased to be here once again with my brother, Dr. Marcus Harvey. Marcus, how is life? It's good. It's good. I'm happy to be here, happy to uh, discuss this really important topic of leadership as it pertains to this particular organization. Yeah, you and I talk about this a bit, and you know, you, uh, I guess, vicariously through your father have had experience with Mm. this, right? Mm. Because he's been in leadership roles pretty much all of his career and uh, as a college as a well college president at one point you know Mm -hmm. he knew how important that's right Mm -hmm. seminary president how important it was to develop leadership and so we've had many conversations about this you've heard me say many times that one of my favorite leaders especially in our lifetime is Mm -hmm. Nelson Mandela I don't think anyone in my lifetime has really embodied a leadership in such a remarkable way as as Mandela right and you know I'm he He's noted as having said that, uh, and I quote, to be free is not merely to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others, end quote. And that that statement is is important to me because it really gives the lie to this idea that freedom is free. Right. That freedom just means that you can do whatever the heck you want to do. No. Freedom actually places a burden on you. It does. Um, relative to other people. Um, it it's important to keep that in mind. Yes, right. Comes with many responsibilities. And if you just look at how his life plays out, I mean, you know, you and I both have read his autobiography. We've seen the movie. And if you, mm-hmm. you, those of you listening in the audience, have, if you haven't read his autobiography, I really encourage you to do that. And the movie, The Long Walk to Freedom as well you know it's powerful there's some powerful scenes in there where he talks about the responsibilities that go with freedom the responsibilities mm-hmm. that go with leadership you know as a historian Marcus I talk a lot about George Washington as well and I think in his lifetime he embodied leadership in a very remarkable way and if we look at that founding generation well we know the challenges of the founding generation of this country we've talked a lot about that but nevertheless if we consider it from the standpoint of what it was that they worked to create and the space that it has given us to kind of expand those freedoms that they kind of talked about early on at the beginning of the republic. And we look at the importance that they put on education. That education mm-hmm. is an important piece of becoming a leader and an important piece of developing leadership. Yeah, and I think what's interesting when you think about Mandela and also the America's so-called founding fathers, um, you see that, that that the ways in which they were educated led them into a certain consciousness um, of freedom that they were willing to die for. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So this so this this question of freedom and education um, is 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 not a light issue. You know, this this is literally a matter of life and death, or it could be. <laughs> yeah. So this is a heavy thing we're talking about. You bringing up that willingness to die for it brings me back again to Mandela and that powerful scene in the movie when he gives his long long address to the court mm-hmm. once he just before he is sentenced and he says at the end of it that the idea and concept of freedom that it is something that he hoped to live to see 
but mm-hmm. it was something that he was also willing to die for if necessary. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, freedom and leadership, you know, it, it calls, it places great responsibilities mm-hmm. on you, like you said. Um, also, Marcus, when we think about leadership development, I can't help but think about the need to get to know one's community. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a historian, this is what I do as a historian. I, I've especially who studies American history. And I like to think that I've developed over time a really good knowledge of who it is that we are. And so even when you're looking at the local community, wouldn't you say that knowing your community, what it is all about, all of the diverse aspects of our community, because we're polyglot uh, population here, that that becomes fundamentally important as well. Mm. I mean, how can one lead if one doesn't know who's one who one is leading That's i mean true. this to me feels like you know dictatorship or something like that so it does so key issue yeah that's right so here it is we we are going to talk about leadership and i'm glad to have mr ed manning here with us and if you all stay with us marcus and i will be back in just a minute Well, we're back. This is Marcus Harvey. I'm Darren Waters, the Waters and Harvey Show. Glad to be here with you all again here at Blue Ridge Public Radio in Asheville, North Carolina. So glad that you all are staying involved with the radio program and staying with us for this important conversation. And Marcus and I are very, very happy, very happy to welcome to the studio Mr. Ed Manning, who is the current executive director of Leadership Asheville, which is a program I'm sure that many of you have heard about. And we're so glad to have you here in the studio with us, Ed. Thank you for stopping by. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, Ed, you and I work closely together with each other, uh, especially through the auspices of the University of North Carolina at Asheville. And I will just say here, it is a pleasure. It's been a pleasure to get to know you and to to hear about your vision. So we thought it was important for you to come in and talk about this to to our listeners. One of the places I'd like to start is just on the whole issue of leadership in general. Why why is it important for a community and organization to be intentional about leadership development? That's uh, a great question. And I think, you know, corporations um, understand this and have typically have succession plans in place. I'm not sure communities do it quite as much. Um, so I think community leadership programs like ours are really valuable in that it does create a pipeline of um, effective leaders uh, for the for the community. Right. And it, 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 this is an intentional project, too. You know, we have to, you know, because you're, you're making the statement here that uh, communities haven't always approached it this way. So this sounds to me like it's kind of a new model that is being developed. Right. Right. Well, and you mentioned the, the founding fathers. And, and um, how did my question is, you know, how did those people step up at that time, particularly with this radical concept and idea of a new government that's by the people, for the people, and of the people? Mm-hmm. Um, Again, I think communities um, in a void of leadership, there's no telling what steps up. Right. Uh, the dictator that you mentioned, Marcus, Absolutely. as well. Um, so if you're not intentional about it, you sort of end up getting what you get as mm-hmm. opposed to let's be intentional. And are we going to protect the freedom that this country has established? Right. Um, and are we going to protect really democracy? All right. Mm, yeah, and so we mentioned at the at the at the show start that you know it's important for leaders to have a relationship with those they lead. Um, so I'm curious to hear a bit from you, Ed, what Leadership Asheville is doing to help lo- to help the local community in Asheville cultivate and develop new leadership. 
Great. And Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that um, our flagship program is a nine-month program, and its mission is to develop, connect, and mobilize citizens to step into community leadership roles. Um, One of the ways we do that is um, connecting um, roughly 50 people who join the program every year, selected to be in the program every year, um, to each other. And they come from all walks of life. They're both for-profit, not-profit, male, female. Um, We try and make the class as diverse as possible in Mm. in all different ways. Um, And I think that my experience, because I went through the program uh, now six years ago, was exactly that, that I met people that I otherwise would never have met in this community, and it really connected me not only to them, but to the community. And then, of course, we bring in community leaders and and folks who are doing work in the community um, to talk to the 50 participants who go through the program so that they get an understanding and a sense of what is going on in our own community. Right. And Ed, I've heard people refer to the program as almost a crash course coming in on on their community, um, making those connections, finding out, especially when you consider that we have so many nonprofits that are working in the community in different places. And that becomes, I think, important to know what people are doing, where they're doing it. So I have uh, always enjoyed hearing what people have had to say about um, their uh, time in Leadership Asheville classes and talking about it is really a way to get to know a community and to get to know the community quickly. In a very short time, yeah, very, very much so. So we've, we've kind of gotten started talking about Leadership Asheville. I'd like to, you know, this is the historian enemy, uh, Ed, that's going to come out here. It comes out, it rears its head every now and then. But let's discuss a little bit of the background or the history of Leadership Asheville. When, did, when was the organization established? Uh, the organization started 37 years years ago, 1982. It was a joint venture between UNC Asheville and the Chamber, Asheville Chamber of Commerce. Um, It ran as a joint program between the two for roughly 10 years or so, and then the university took it over um, and ran it on its own until roughly around 2007. There were statewide budget cuts that uh, really cut into the university's funding, and they decided that they were going to have to let go of the program. And in 2007, the program went out on its own as a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Ran that way for about five years um, and realized that having an anchor institution um, is really key to success. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when it also got self-sufficient, quite right. honestly. So uh, funding-wise was um, better off. And that's when the university brought it back under. Right. Yeah. Now, an organization that focuses on leadership, to me, raises the question of, of what the organization's mission or charge is. So can you say a word, Ed, about uh, what Leadership Asheville's central mission or charge is? And also, could you address, if you would, whether or not that mission has shifted changed, grown, expanded over time since since the early 80s, as you, yeah. as you pointed out? Yeah, I'm not the historian. <laughs> I, I know a little bit because I keep asking people about, well, what was it like when you went through and, right. and what right. was the program? There are leadership programs like this throughout the nation. Most major cities um, have a community leadership program. Roughly 50% of them are run through a chamber of commerce. Um, the other 30% or so are usually nonprofit, um, standalone 501c3s. There's about 3% of us that are tied to universities. Um, so we're a little special in that, in that way. Um, but to your first question, uh, we exist to really create leadership capacity in this community. That's our purpose. Well, Ed, I'm, you know, I, I 
thinking about the backstory and the history and this early connection with the Chamber of Commerce. And, you know, Chambers of Commerce are important to all communities, mm-hmm. and especially when we look at the development of, uh, of economies, the economy, the local economy. But it's, can you talk a little bit about the distinction between being connected with a Chamber of Commerce and a university? Um, does that make a difference? Is that something that, um, you know, in a sense can make a leadership development program a little bit more effective? Because I think you know where I'm going here and looking at. Yeah, I, uh, I think the um, in my class I went through um, in uh, tw- we all do it by class number. So I was leadership um, Asheville 31, which ended in May of 2013. That was actually the year. Uh, right after that, that it came back to the university. Um, And I saw lots of opportunities. I think being at a university gives you um, many more opportunities to collaborate Mm -hmm. um, and to really do that, um, both the education and the outreach piece um, for leadership development. So, um, and not that you couldn't do that with a chamber, mm-hmm. um, and, and many of those that are tied with chambers do a great job of that. But I think the op- the opportunities there's just more of them tied to a university. Right. I wonder sometimes too. I wonder in in thinking about this, Ed, too. Can a university sometimes be seen as more of an honest broker at the table? Does that make sense? <laughs> you know, you, you at least you would like to think so. You in know, theory, yes. in theory, <laughs> in theory, and it comes with its challenges too. Right, right, right. right. So, yeah. Which is a great segue to, to, the, to the next next talking point here, Ed, because you mentioned that I think something like, well, there's a very small percentage of, of these leadership programs that are tied to universities versus chambers of commerce. Uh, could you speak a bit about what some specific challenges are that, that relate to, these, these, to, to those programs that exist within universities? Yeah, I think, mm-hmm. well, and I think the ones that are tied to chambers have a um, probably a stronger connection to uh, business organizations. Okay. And so funding from organizations who really understand the value of leadership um, might be a little easier at a chamber. Whereas I think we have a misguided perception that the university's got lots of money and can fund this program. Um, and and that's just not the case. Um, and, and that's the downside probably, or the cha- one of the challenges with being with the university is that um, we have to sort of continue to promote um, and ask for money like a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. It, and, and also, is, is it fair to say uh, that chambers of commerce tend to conceive of leadership at more in economic or business terms, whereas a university-based program might, might conceive of leadership in, in a broader way that isn't necessarily economically driven? Is that fair Probably to say? So. Probably so. Probably okay. so. Okay. Yeah, I think you know, that certainly there's a, there is an economic aspect to a chamber um, yeah. that would come through in a leadership program. Yeah, right. that was an excellent question, Marcus. You got that out in a much better way than I did. But that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking about looking at, at the space as an, as an honest, the university space as an honest broker at the table when it comes to leadership development. Also, Ed, you know, you've talked about some of the challenges that you've that uh, an organization or a program like Leadership Asheville is facing. I would like to talk a little bit here about diversity. Diversity, we hear that word a lot. In fact, you know, I think uh, you and I have talked about the whole 
the word itself has kind of fallen out of favor. We've been talking more about issues of equity and inclusion, but let's just go back to the word diversity because our communities are, have become very diverse. And I mean, this has been a long time coming. We saw it coming down the road. One of my favorite historians, Arthur Schlesinger, years ago was writing about the growing diversity of uh, the American population. And I'm wondering, How has the growing diversity of our nation, because I see you all impacting the nation, too. It's not just the local community because you're sending leaders away Mm -hmm. that are going to other states throughout the country. So this is a national program um, that I think that you all are impacting the nation. So how how has the growing diversity of our nation and community impacted your work? That is a really big question <laughs> to take it from the from the start. One, I think, um, to be quite honest, the diversity and the increase in diversity in the nation um, has caused a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what you're seeing in leadership today um, is based on fears and not on collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot more. Um, rhetoric. There's a lot more partisanship. There's a lot more divide us versus them, as opposed to um, what can we do together and what gifts do we now have to offer and how do we bring those gifts forward. Um, so, locally, um, I, we've experienced the opposite. Um, we, we are becoming a less diverse community mm-hmm. um, in that the African-American population and the populations of color are actually going down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the challenge I have for our organization is we want to build leadership capacity in all communities mm-hmm. um, throughout all of our community and region. Um, and so reaching communities um, that are marginalized or um, have not been at the table has been a difficult challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so something I've noticed is that uh, many institutions uh, talk a very good diversity game, <laughs> but when it comes to actualizing diversity, a different sort of uh, image or picture begins to emerge. But to sort of to sort of narrow the conversation a bit, um, Ed, could you speak a bit about specific programs and services that are offered by uh, the Leadership Asheville program? Uh, sure. Mm-hmm. The, couple of things that the flagship program that's the nine-month program mm-hmm. and 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 to your point um, when I first came on three four years ago the numbers of people of color in that flagship program were steadily increasing by twos and threes mm-hmm. um, last year it was painfully obvious we had not a single applicant of color mm-hmm. for our nine-month program mm-hmm. um, which this year has led us to doing an internal audit um, with um, the Attaway Group on looking at equity and inclusion and how can we be more intentional with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm happy to say that we have 22% um, folks of color in next year's class. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, you know, some of the stuff we're doing is now starting to show. To work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we need to obviously have more to do and more to continue with that. Other programs that we're offering, in addition to the flagship, the Buzz Breakfast, um, it's a series that we run each summer, um, really focusing on issues and challenges that the community um, is facing. This year's committee specifically chose um, equity and inclusion. Hmm. Um, as one of the issues to, to tackle. And so in June, we talked about economic disparity and, uh, or prosperity and how do we promote it for everybody. Um, 
just two weeks ago we had uh, women in, in sexual uh, diversity and what does that look like and mm-hmm. how can we foster it and august 22nd will be our last one of the summer and it's on a uh, racial equity mm-hmm. um, how do we embrace it right. so well, Ed, you know, the Buzz Breakfast series that you all do, I find, you know, uh, very – it's a beneficial conversation when you get around the table with people. Um, it's early in the morning, though. It you is know, early in the morning. morning. <laughs> you know, but it, it, it is a good program that you have going. You know, you talked a little bit about the one that you, you're doing this year. I think last year – I think it was last year. It may it may have been two years ago, um, where you talked about how Asheville is changing. You know, can you tell us a little bit about that series? Because that was an interesting series to have people from around the community here talking about how the community is changing, what they're doing to try to kind of guide that change in a way that is beneficial for as many people as possible in the community. Yeah, and that's really what I see as one of the roles that we should be playing, that Leadership Asheville should be playing in our community. We should be the convener of conversation. And and last year's buzz was all on um, how does Asheville grow thoughtfully. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're certainly growing, and and I don't want to debate the issue about do we need to continue growing or not. Um, We are growing is the fact. And how do we do it intentionally? So, you know, presenters that came in and talked about um, different aspects, the I-26 project, um, how that has been thrown around and what communities get most impacted in that um, all the way up to just the numbers and then um, we had both a public response um, so uh, Al Whitesides from the county commission mm-hmm. uh, Mayor Mannheimer and several others from the public response talked about their plans and what they were going what they saw going forward and then we had uh, business leaders um, folks come in from the business community and talk about what brought them here, why they're here now, what plans they have for growing. So it was really the hope to start that conversation that we can plan our growth intentionally, right. but we've got to be able to sit down and have a civil conversation. Right. Now, Ed, so I, I sort of have a two-pronged uh, sort of question to raise here. So number one, I'm curious to know how long the Summer Buzz uh, uh, Breakfast uh, series has existed. And then secondly, have you, and, and, and your, based upon your observations, have you found that that attendees and participants are willing to really speak candidly about the issues that are raised? And I, and I ask that because oftentimes uh, you know, folks are willing to show up to have conversations. But when the real issues are raised um, and, and the time comes to really sort of speak honestly about issues, um, some folks sort of shrink away or or they, they won't speak as as explicitly and directly as 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 they could you know which would promote what which would make for a richer conversation but 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 thoughts about those two yeah two things. Uh, as far as the history again i'm not the historian um yeah. i know it started the buzz breakfast started one of those years when it was out on its own okay. um so it's okay. it's been around for a number of years now um and i i i think the answer is yes and um, in terms of speaking candidly, we have some folks who are really good. Joe Minicosi, when he presented um, on I-26, he, he spoke pretty candidly. Um, and, and this year's format, we've changed so people can do that. Uh, normally, it would be more of a panel discussion uh, followed by Q&A you know, that's moderated and facilitated, and, and occasionally we'll take some questions from the audience. This year, we broke it out, particularly because of this topic. We wanted to have small table discussions 
um, it is hard for some people, uh, most people, it's difficult to step up and speak in front of a room of 200. Mm-hmm. Um, so to even ask a question of a panelist um, takes some guts and courage. Yeah. Um, but to have a conversation with seven other people, it goes back to that connecting, mm-hmm. to really knowing who's in the community and who are you sitting with, who are you having breakfast with, what are their thoughts on this issue, how would they approach it, what are the challenges they're facing, how can I step up and help? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that smaller table um, focus has really helped out and I'm hoping people are much more candid with it right that's good you know it I can't help but remember a statement my grandfather used to make all the time he would say this to to us as we were growing up it's like talk is cheap so we can talk all day now what about action you know are you seeing people come away from these conversations taking real action to try to address some of these issues like you this year with the buzz breakfast series you're focusing on diversity equity and inclusion are and i know because i've been to the breakfasts myself that you're trying to get people to think about okay what action can i take within the next 24 hours to take some steps to begin to kind of to uh, move us in this direction right one of our planning team members is a coach and and she said exactly that that you know eighty four percent of the people will reach their goal if they take an action within twenty four hours so we d- developed uh, action cards to put on the table to say one thing I can do in the next twenty four hours um, because our mission is to develop, connect, and mobilize. So in the developing is that education piece, is that informing, um, trying to get all sides of the issue out so people hear the challenge that we're facing, the connecting with the other community members. So the table hosts are all um, nonprofits who are doing work in this area mm-hmm. um, and, and hearing what other people are already doing. And then I get frustrated because, of course, I want to see more action. <laughs> I want to see it now. And uh, it, it's sort of that you can lead the horse to water, but, mm. you know, you can't make them drink. Right. You're, it's that how do we get more people to step in and, and that third piece of our mission I find the most difficult to mobilize. You're right. You know, yeah. how, to, how do we get people to actually take action? So Ed, what do you think the future holds for Leadership Asheville? And for those who may be listening to, um, to our show, uh, what can they do to get more involved in this, in this program? Great question. I, I, I'm really excited about where Leadership Asheville can go. Um, I think globally, we are at a place where leadership is actually evolving. We are moving away from the old command and control, hierarchical, patriarchal model of leadership, and we're adopting or moving into a new one. Part of that's the anxiety, because we don't know exactly what that is. Um, And so as we develop it, we do know it has to be more social, more connected, um, has to be uh, more collaborative. The problems we face. I think it was Einstein that said you, you can't solve the problems at the same level of thinking that you created them at. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the same that, that holds true for leadership. We need a new level of leadership that's much more collaborative that, to solve problems that are bigger than any one person, entity, nation, you name it. So I think that whole development of that kind of leadership is where we have a uh, role and a responsibility mm-hmm to play and that's why I'm excited about the future of leadership Asheville and um, leadership Western North Carolina because I see this really um, my vision is to have a collaborative leadership centered here in the Asheville community um, where people from all over the nation will be coming to us to learn and grow and develop at, in this new style of leadership. Well, Ed, we want to thank you for taking the time to come in here and have this. I think this important conversation with us is important for for the members of our community to think about 
the being intentional about leadership development mm-hmm. and a program like leadership at leadership actual is clearly important uh, to helping to facilitate that here locally and I think throughout the state and nationally so thank you for coming in and talking with Marcus and I we would like to have you back again sometime thank you Thanks, very Dave. much Again, this has been the Waters and Harvest Show. Marcus, I enjoyed that conversation with Ed, just thinking about leadership in general. Yeah, and also the idea of creating leadership capacity is important because um, leadership requires training. It requires skills. So it's important to keep that in mind. And also the idea of leadership being tied relationally to communities is also an important takeaway, I think. And I think the the factoid that he brought up Mm -hmm. about declining minority populations in our Mm -hmm. local community is something important for us to think about and to think about why that is happening. And I know that Ed has real ideas about that and so we'll have to have another conversation with him to talk to him about that but these are really important issues yeah and i think another another uh, valuable um, thing about this program is that it creates space to have hard conversations Mm -hmm. about issues facing the community that require leadership right so well thank you all for being here with us again and for listening and marcus and i want to remind you that the waters and harvey show is produced at blue ridge public radio in Asheville, north carolina and you can listen to our podcast on bpr.org on the BPR mobile app and on iTunes and Google Play. Follow us and get in touch on Facebook and Twitter. And Marcus and I will see you again next time. Take care.